The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm sure you're going to enjoy the show this evening. Man, we've got some uh, good racing from all over the country uh, coming up. And as a matter of fact, uh, one of the races, uh, short field, but nice purse, 200000 the grade two Arcadia. We're going to be talking to the owner of one of the horses in there, Conquest Enforcer, one Ron Paolucci. Uh, Ron uh, was on uh, with me oh, probably over a year ago, and since then things have just gotten better. As you may recall, he's got a very interesting rags to riches story, and uh, certainly he's reaping the rewards of his riches right now. Uh, you know, he started out going to the racetrack with the, his uh, dad and granddad since the time he could walk, he said, and he used to skip school, go over to Thistledown, play the horses. Well, uh, the guy's had an amazing rise. He's got a great eye for horse flesh. Of course, uh, the first one that really put him on the map was Rhea Antonio, who uh, ended up earning more than $1.5 million and uh, ended up winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. He then turned around and sold her in the Phasic Tipton Fall Mix Sale for $1.8. That's a pretty good return on a private purchase. And so he's made several private purchases over the years. But he did get one at the sale recently, and that was Conquest Enforcer, and uh, got this horse out of the uh, the sale where Conquest Stable was, uh, you know, selling off their horses. Now, four-year-old Colt Conquest Enforcer first start back for Luch Racing and his partner's imaginary stable was a win in the Grade. To Mathis Brothers Mile at Santa Anita. I'll tell you what, though, he takes on a tough field in there. But we'll be talking to Ron. I want to talk to him about, uh, you know, his his rise to success. And um, also, if you were watching the Pegasus card, uh, the the race for horses that didn't get in the Pegasus uh, was the Poseidon, and up by a nose over the heavily favored Stanford was none other than Imperative. And guess who swept in and privately bought Imperative, Ron Paoluccio. So we'll be uh, we'll be talking to him. He's an interesting character. And then uh, also someone that's been on the show uh, in different capacities over the years is uh, Eric Wing. Right now he's the communications director for HorseTourneys.com, which is horse racing's number one destination for player-friendly qualifying contest. And uh, Eric was also uh, the longtime MC at the NTRA National Handicapping Championship. So he just got back from that. And while uh, 
we'll talk a little bit about the National Handicapping Championship and some of the characters involved there. Uh, Eric will also tell us about some of the contests you guys might be interested in on horse tourneys. Dot com. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure they're out of the gate already with a qualifier for next year's NTRA National Handicapping Championship. So Ron Pellucci and Eric Wing are going to be our guest this evening. Okay, I uh, hope you uh, did, upon my advice, pull down some easy win forms uh, over the past week because we had some pretty nice hits. Doing well at Tampa Bay. I uh, had four Big hits at Tampa Bay. A $1 super paid $8,100. That was a box bet. And then we had a $1 super box at Tampa Bay that paid $7,422. Uh, then a $0.50 cent super five that returned 2757 And February 9th, that is today, scored with a $1 super five key. 2,688, and we will be looking at the Sam Davis from Tampa Bay Downs with Eric Wing. Also, we'll be handicapping uh, a Oaks Points race from Oaklawn Park, the Martha Washington. That's a, that's a flat mile at Oaklawn. Then we're going to go to Gulfstream Park and uh, see, I think this is the only grade one on Saturday, pretty sure, and that's the uh, Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap that drew together a pretty classy field. So we'll get Eric's read on those uh, those races and maybe get a chance to look at the Gulfstream Park uh, uh, Handicap Mile and maybe tune him in on Santa Anita's Arcadia. So uh, again, the easy win forms, pull them down, but uh, obviously we just had a great week at Tampa. So uh, it's going to be a a really nice Saturday at Gulfstream Park uh, and also out at Santa Anita. And uh, for those of you that like to uh, play the state bread races, uh, don't forget uh, Delta Downs is going to have a big Saturday with Louisiana Premier Night, as they call it. Uh, So uh, you're going to have a long day (laughs) watching the races on Saturday, but pull down the easy win forms. We'll help you get you there. Well, there's a lot of people scratching their head about Classic Empire after the Holy Bull. He was the one to two favorite in there. And uh, you know, he's kind of five wide, but the whole thing was it was before the race even started that I started to feel bad. I didn't bet him at one to two, but you could see when he approached the gate, he was very, very washy. And Julian Le Peru was taking his whip and, you know, pulling some of the lather off his neck. And then when he got to the gate, he balked. It's like he didn't want to go in. A lot of times that's not a good sign, and it wasn't a good sign for Classic Empire, last year's uh, Eclipse Award-winning champion, whose uh, only other loss was when he had a gate problem. In the hopeful stakes, he came out of the gate, wheeled at the start, and threw uh, Irad Ortiz down to the ground. So, uh, But sometimes they're telling you, and then we find out that he's on the mend after a foot abscess. Uh, this uh, I, I just read about today. So tough week for Mark Cassie. He's racking his brain trying to find out what happened. The Holy Bull, he thought he was sitting on go. and uh, But the uh, morning of Wednesday, they looked at the Colts' right front foot, and all of a sudden, they figured it out. 
they figured out that uh, he was was agitated in in his foot, and so he was noticeably off on Monday. He couldn't walk at all that afternoon. That put a big scare into him. But the one thing is, it looks like it's just going to be an abscess. Uh, it began to drain before busting wide open on Wednesday. So Cassie, you know, believes his horse. Uh, one thing about this horse, he's very tough. He's never given us any indication, but it's one thing when you're walking and you're jogging at it at a slow pace. It's another when you're running at 40 miles per hour. So we are going to throw out the champs, Holy Bull, and uh, see where uh, he pops up next. So uh, probably he's going to get a little bit of a, of a rest, a lot of options on the table for him. Um, maybe looking at the March 4 $400,000 Fountain of Youth stakes that will carry some big uh, derby points. And uh, it was a tough week, as I said, for Cassie. Champion Teppen is uh, going to miss the Endeavor stakes due to a mild colic bout. Uh, he said uh, he checked on her on Sunday, but got a little gassy, as they say, and had to be treated. So uh, it's they say that it, it's just a slight colic issue. Uh, and it happened last year before the Endeavor, uh, but she went on to win that one by three and a half lengths. So uh, it looks like she might return in the one-mile Canadian turf handicap at Gulfstream on March 4th. So that could be a big day uh, for return races for the Cassie Barn. I wish them uh, nothing but the best. So uh, we will, uh, we'll find out uh, where they show up next. Hopefully both of them will bounce back big speaking about bouncing back big in the saddle how about flavian pratt he rode the final uh pick four at santa anita other day so he was named the jockeys guild jockey of the week and uh, deservedly sold so four consecutive races uh but two of those were stakes events and uh so uh, this this kid is is something to watch and uh, be watching him on Saturday because he does have the mount on that conquest enforcer. So uh, congratulations uh, to him. He is a new rider on the rides. Uh, he was the leading rider by earnings for the week, adding six hundred twenty nine thousand to his two thousand and seven total, where he's earned one point four million. He's fifth among all jockeys right now in north america some other uh, uh jockeys that hit milestones uh jockey malcolm franklin uh rode his uh 1000th winner uh at turfway park let me tell you i know this guy he is a really excellent human being uh he's uh, young 27 years old he's already ridden a thousand i believe he came up under the same tutelage that chris antley did the uh the Ellery Training Center in South Carolina is where he started, and then he moved his tack to Maryland. But he says he's going to kind of stay in the Midwest uh, for the months ahead. But a really, really talented rider. I've got to see him ride quite a bit, <coughs> and uh, really impressive. Also, how about Gabriel Sayez? He reached his one thousandth winner now he's only 29 years old. He won his at the fairgrounds. He's a graduate of the Lafitte Pinquet training academy in panama another one of those uh talented uh, panamanian riders and hey how about this for breeding news another full sibling to american pharaoh has hit the ground little princess emma the 2015 kentucky broodmare of the year 
and a $2.1 million purchase from Summer Wind, uh, did have another full sibling to American Pharaoh. So, uh, of course, that means uh, that the, uh, the baby is by Pioneer of the Nile. It's her third foal, and uh, she is, uh, has a two-year-old colt named Irish Pharaoh by Pioneer of the Nile. And then uh, last season, she fold a tap at Philly named Chasing Yesterday. So it'll be really, really interesting uh, to see what happens. But congratulations. I'm glad everything uh, came out well for her. Quick look now at some of the races we handicapped last week. Uh, the Withers Stakes, uh, the horse I liked, El Arib, no surprise there. Odds on was three wide and just drew clear. So uh, this uh, son of exchange rate is definitely on the Derby Trail. Was very, very impressive in uh, his second start at Aqueduct. Before that, he won the Jerome. A lot of people think it was just because of a muddy track. It was not. Second was True Timber at 30 to 1. Then when we went out for another Derby Points race, uh, the Robert B. Lewis drew a short field, but the slight favorite, Sheer Flattery, could only get the third spot going wire to wire. Another talented son of Uncle Mo. Good connections here. Mr. and Mrs. Jerry Moss, John Sheriffs. Can you say Zenyatta? <laughs> but this one's a boy. Victor Espinoza securing himself some more solid mounts for the big races later in the year. Again, uh, Royal Mo wire to wire by three and a half takes the Robert B. Lewis. And in the San Antonio, he's back, folks. Six years old, he's still got it. And it is Hopportunity out of the Baffert Barn takes the grade two San Antonio, 300,000. It was a mile and a 16th. In the second spot was the slight favorite, Moore Spirit. And third was Accelerate. Also out at Santa Anita, short field, but some classy, classy horses, wire to wire, unique Bella. Can you say Kentucky Oaks? Won by eight and three quarters, paid 220 to win. The word was out. Uh, unique Bella out of the Jerry Hollendorfer barn, Mike Smith in the saddle. Uh, she has never run worse than second, has now three consecutive wins and two of those in grade two races. So remember the name, Unique Bella, as it comes around to Kentucky Oaks time. All right, we already discussed uh, the, the Holy Bull, but the winner in there was pretty impressive. While Classic Empire did have an excuse, Irish War Cry went wire to wire and won by three and a quarter lengths. So this is a Grand Motion trainee uh, that had just won the Marylander at Laurel, where it made its maiden special weight debut. So now undefeated Irish War Cry, a son of Curlin, first Lasix, gets the job done in the Holy Bull. Second was Gunavera, who was kind of steadied at the rail, but he was an easy uh, second place finisher by five over Classic Empire, as we had already mentioned. Uh, and the forward Gale Stakes, three-year-old Phillies again. Some may show up in the Kentucky Oaks. It was Tequilita, who won by a half a length at 14 to 1. Uh, second was Pretty City Dancer, who was the second favorite. And um, third was Brahms Cat. The favorite, Ms. Locust Point, did not get the job done. All right, one more for you. This is a race that uh, uh, goes a little bit short, but could 
wind up having horses stretch out, and it certainly looks like favorable outcome uh, could uh, stretch out very well. Came from last, was under a stranglehold for the first half of the race, and went on to charge determinedly to win by three quarters of a length, beating the odds-on favorite, three rules. All right, that's a look at last week's races. We'll put those in the book. Some very exciting races, some races that will have impact on the Derby and the Oaks. All right, before we take a little bit of a, a break, just want to remind everybody, coming up is Ron Paolucci, who is a very interesting life story that just seems to be getting better and better in the world of racing. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me on his way to California to watch Conquest Enforcer run in the grade two $200,000 Arcadia is Ron Paolucci. I read a little bit of his uh, bio earlier in the show, but I'd rather talk to him. It's a it's a fantastic story. I, I know a lot of guys like Ron, but they've never really uh, been able to grab that ring. Uh, you know, they end up uh, starting out in the claiming ranks and they end up either staying in the claiming ranks or getting out of the, the game altogether. But uh, Ron's hung in there and obviously with his experience, Experience, probably as a handicapper and certainly seen a lot of horse flesh in his day, uh, has really turned it into a great success story. Ron Paolucci, welcome to Winning Ponies. Thank you very much. Happy to be here on my way to California. A- absolutely. I mean, uh, so, you know, I- I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, convey to our listeners the, the fact that, you know, I, I believe you, you 
started your first thoroughbred was a $2,500 claimer. And since then, I mean, I don't want to fast forward too much, but we know that you've already had a Breeders' Cup winner, Rhea Antonio, but it didn't happen overnight. Can you kind of describe uh, the road you took and what experiences helped you the most uh, in getting such a great eye for horse flesh? You know, I think the you hit it right on the head in your intro when I was listening. The thing that helped me the most was being a, being an avid handicapper. You know, once simulcasting came into play, I went from watching you know Thistledown and then going to Waterford at night with my with my dad and grandpa to expanding to California and then New York and Louisiana and and, and Florida and you name it. And uh, you know, it just I think that watching so many races. Because I was one of those guys I had to have action. I had to bet every race that was running from the time Thistledown opened till the time Northfield closed at night with <laughs> even Hong Kong, you know. And uh, <laughs> so I just took all those years of handicapping and all those bad beats and and uh, I just I, I took what I learned from handicapping and I put it into the to the horse uh, horse owning portion of my life and Honestly and truly, one of the biggest, and I've never mentioned this before, this is the first time, one of the biggest influences was one of my best friends, Tom Granada. He um, he said to me, God, you've been betting horses your whole life. Why don't you actually buy a few instead of instead of losing all your money gambling on them? And, uh, I guess I kind of took that to heart. And He goes, I've never seen anybody watch more races or bet more races in my entire life. You've got to be able to use that to be able to buy horses. And uh that's really the first person that ever said it to me. So, you know, I, I never even said that to anybody before, but that's that's really how I got started in owning horses. Well, I hope he's listening to the show, Ron, because uh, <laughs> that that was that was sage advice, and he's right. I mean, you know, that's how you develop skills is by doing something over and over again. Sure, you know, you're going to stub your toe every now and then, but I, I know that a man that's been to the window a few times, uh, you've had some pretty good success uh, cashing tickets as as well as buying them. Well, one thing when when I look at your horses that. Uh, all my friends asked me, they said, yeah, this guy changes trainers like I change socks. Um, what, what, how do you, uh, you know, how do you pick uh, the, the trainers that are going to fit the horses you got? Is, is it geographic? Because now, just so, you know, for our listeners, as, as I explained earlier in the show, uh, you've got a great eye for horses. You buy horses sometimes younger in their career. Uh, sometimes you buy them a little bit older. Uh, obviously, uh, you got uh, Conquest uh, at a very heavy hefty price out of a sale, but you know, you, you took baby steps along the way. So, um, in getting horses, I know you stuck with a lot of your roots guys like, uh, Jeff Radosevich and Anthony Reaney. Uh, why do we see so many different trainers listed on your horses? Is it geographic because you, you have no problem shipping? Yeah. You know, one thing about me is I'm very, very loyal. And even though I, I a lot of my horses have different trainers, I don't have a lot of different trainers if that makes sense. If you look at all the places I've run, you know, I, I basically use the same guys. Peter Walter in Florida, you know, Bob Hess, Dean Greenman, uh, Bob Baffert, Phil D'Amato in California, depending on the horse, you know, with the situation New York, you know, uh, Jeremiah Englehart. I, I don't vary from who I use. 
And believe me, I get calls every day for people that want to train for me. And the newest thing is people want to train for free. They're like, hey, give me four horses. You know, I'll train them for free or, or won't charge until we win. And I've just learned the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You know, I've had a lot of, you know, Jeff and I went to Tampa three years ago and we're one for 50. Uh, Tony's one for 32 or something like that at Tampa for me this year. But these guys are good trainers. And just like anything, they go through ups and downs. It's not always good. It's not always bad. But just because a guy's not winning doesn't mean he's not a good trainer. So, you know, I, I don't – I've never, ever fired a guy for not winning. You know, I've only fired anybody for, psych, you know, philosophical differences on maybe where we should run or how we should run the horse. Because after all, you know, it is my money that I'm putting up. So, you know, if we have different opinions, that doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean that I'm right. It just means that I pay the bill, so I am right. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I do see that, you know, you know, the, the Radosevichs are so well-known as horsemen in the Midwest. And it does seem like a lot of these horses maybe uh, get a rest or Jeff legs them up or whatever. And then, you know, kind of turns them loose to, uh, you know, Florida, New York or whatever. So I'm sure you guys got to have a great relationship because, you, you know, you'll continue to see his name in the running lines of many of your different horses and uh, well-respected as the whole Radosevich family is. I don't blame you for using him as kind of one of your linchpins. You know, Jeff is, I, I would say that if you gave Jeff Radosevich the same horses you gave Todd Fletcher and Chad Brown, that I'm going to say he's going to be very amicably well-represented in the win column, just as they would be. I mean, this guy is an absolute horseman. He's a little bit of a pain in the rear end sometimes to deal with, but, <laughs> um, you know, we, we've had our ups and downs. I, I would say now we have way more ups and downs. It was kind of a, a growing pain for us, and there was many times where I was like, hey, 10 minutes, that van's going to be over there, those horses are going to be out there, going to be with somebody else, because he's just very opinionated. But, you know, we've learned through the years that he lets me pick the horses and I let him train, and then we talk about the spots we're going to run in. And so it's been, I mean, I don't know any owner-trainer combo that's had probably a better run in the last five years than him and I. I mean, maybe not on the biggest of scales, but from a from a percentage and, and, and money one and, uh, you know, uh, just first off the claim and any category you want to look at. Any trainer going from, you know, Tom Amos or Peter Walter or, or Bob Baffert or whoever I use to Jeff Rodazovich, there's no fall-off. I mean, this guy does things with horses that, that even some of those guys don't do. So, you know, um, I'm just a very loyal guy. and uh, I, I believe all my, to answer the first question a little bit is, I believe all my trainers are the same. I don't think there's a weak link in any guy that I use. If I can't take a grade one horse like War Story and go from Tom Amos to Jeff Rodazovich, he shouldn't be traded for me. You know, and uh, it, a lot of it is geographical. You know, uh, do, do you want to take Imperative, for example? Uh, you know, I bought him, and I wanted to decide with him. And uh, Bob Hess said to me, listen, I know it's probably a one-race gig. You know, you don't want to ship the horse all over. you got trainers all over. And, you know, his, his next race happened to be in California. Or he probably would have gone to Radazovich or, or Avis or Eaglehart, depending on where I went. And uh, even if he wins the, the Santa Anita Handicap and wins the Charlestown Classic, He's not going back to California. That's his last race after the Charlestown Classic. So, 
you know, depending on where he's going to race, he'll either go to Inglehart, Amos, or Radozovich, or, you know, one of the guys I use in the Midwest here because that's going to be his campaign. You know, how would you like to win three three stakes races, two grade ones, and, and not look down the shed row and see your horse? But, you know, do I want to ship the horse back and forth to California seven times over, you know, six months if he's not going to run there? It's crazy. For, you can't do that to the horse. You know, it's just not fair. right. Right, it's not. Well, anyhow, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Imperative. I told everybody, basically, uh, uh, the, the Poiseidon was kind of a, a race on the undercard for horses that maybe didn't get in the Pegasus, of which you did have War Story, where I thought ran a very credible race. But Imperative, I'll tell you what, that was a ding-dong daddy down the lane against the very uh, talented Stanford. Yeah, you know, it, it, what makes it even more impressive is that you know you beat notre dame on their home field trying to beat them on their home field you know that that's equivalent to trying to beat todd pletcher at, at, at Gulfstream park and you know i i think you got to add five links to any horse that pletcher runs at Gulfstream. i mean look at neolithic and how he picked it up he couldn't beat greenpoint crusader and he comes to Gulfstream and runs 103 and 109 buyer i mean that's todd's house so you know when when you look at that and I think he, I think Imperative came the back half in forty six and one to win that race. That's that's as good as any horse I've ever seen. You know, in one of those races. You know, that was almost a full second faster than uh, you know the big horse that won the big race. Obviously, they went a lot quicker earlier, but still coming home in forty six and one in a mile and eight. That's getting it. Absolutely. Well, the question I got I to ask is, he's a seven-year-old gelding that didn't win a race in 2015, only won one race in 2016. What was the thing that attracted you to Imperative? The thing that attracted me to Imperative is, again, it goes back to my days of betting through the windows. If you look at his form, the horse raced three times outside of California. All three times were at Charlestown, but he had a win, a second, and a fourth, and he made a million and a half dollars. And anybody that knows racing that races, California is a very hard, fast surface. The northern tracks are a little bit deeper, a little bit more kind, and I did a lot of research on the horse, and uh, a mutual friend of Richard Baltus is a very good friend of mine, and Richie gave us a lot of insight on the horse, and the previous owner actually is a friend of mine. I play poker with John. And, uh, you know, we all just thought, listen, get him out of California for the majority of the starts, and he's going to be better. And uh, I talked to Kent DeSormo, and he told me he was sound. And Richie Baltus, being a great horseman that he is, he hadn't injected that horse anywhere. So, you know, for a seven-year-old to race at that level and not be injected, and, you know, how can you not look at a horse and go, he lost to you know to opportunity in the last year San Antonio by nose. He ran in the in the San Diego and got beat a length to California Chrome this year, and he ran a hundred and three buyer two starts back. I mean, the horse has a lot of quality to him. You know, most horses like that. If he had been four, I couldn't have afforded to bought him. You know, but being <laughs> that he was seven, uh, you know, you take a shot, and we got almost all of our money back the first time he ran. I mean, it's almost a free horse for me. 
Oh, that that that's fantastic! And really, if you look at it, while I'm saying you didn't have wins, uh, my God, you go you go down, and except for the Big Bear, which was a ninety thousand dollars stake that he did win it, it, there, uh, he everything that's on the Daily Racing form, it was a Grade One or Grade Two or Grade Three race. And as you brought right. up those names, you know, Dortmund, California Chrome, Opportunity, Stanford, uh, you know. That's some pretty damn good company, I can tell you that. So, but again, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have taken the risk. Uh, Ron Paolucci, you are not afraid to go in, but I know that you don't go in blindly. You 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 vet these horses good. You watch them good. As a guy that uh, you know started out as a handicapper, you know. You watch races, you see horses, and obviously you've got a great ability at finding the upside. And, um, you know, I wish you nothing but the best with your stable. It's kind of neat to watch it grow. I'm kind of glad, too, though, that you you stay in the state bear program because, uh, you know, you, you know when you can take an opportunity and and turn it into something well. A great uh, example there is the Your Ohio Bread Mo Don't Know that's a lock for the three-year-old championship. Won $401,000. That's an Ohio Bread. Yeah, he's, um, you know, they say the biggest transition in horse racing is from three to four. And it'll be scary to see if this horse actually gets better. You know, and I told Jeff, I was like, uh, you know, you played around with him last year. Now tighten the screws on him a little bit, and uh, let's go to work with him and try to take on some of these bigger races. Everything he pretty much did last year, he did on his own. We didn't push him to train. We didn't, you know, run him against better horses. And I believe if you want to be a better horse, you got to run against better horses. And there's nothing against some of the Ohio breads, but some of the stock he ran against, he just played around with it. And you know, you kind of get into that that groove where. It's almost like playing to the level of competition that you're running against. And when he ran up against Awesome Banner, you know, he dug in. And, and, and maybe he was the best that day, maybe he wasn't. But he still gave a very good accounting of himself. And uh, I look for that horse to, to step outside of Ohio a few times this year. And But like you said, my roots are in Ohio, 60%, 70%. My horses are there. I love it. I go to Thistledown every day with my dad and watch my horses run and, you know, I would rather win the Ohio Derby than the Kentucky Derby, and I'll be darned if I don't give it a good shot this year. That's for sure. <laughs> well, best of luck, Ron. Thanks for pulling over on the highway on your way to California. Uh, I, I will be uh, watching the Arcadia for our listeners. Uh, the race is going off 2.30 uh, Pacific, so that'll be 5.30 Eastern Standard Time, depending on where you're at. We'll be pulling for you. You got your work cut out for you, but it wouldn't be the hey, first what? time you upset the apple cart. One thing about one thing about this horse, real quick, John. His nickname, and I didn't give it to him. Phil D'Amato did. Is it's kind of weird. He, he calls him LeBron, and uh, <laughs> he's got so much ability and so much talent that Phil told me that uh, you know if we could go a flat mile, he'd take on anybody, including Arrowgate. So that'll tell you how talented this horse is. Very, very, very talented. Is LeBron. Well, I I hope the Arcadia turns into a slam dunk for you, Ron Paolucci. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be with Eric Wing. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, Eric Wing. You've heard him on the show many times. I love having him on. He's been on uh, under several different banners. I will say, uh, uh, speaking of banners, at one point he handed the baton to me at the uh, Turf Publicist of America as president and really helped me out my first couple months there and basically just said, depend on the rest of the players and they'll get you through the game, which is pretty much what happened. Eric, how you doing, my friend? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good here in beautiful Miami Town, Ohio. I keep looking for Andy Griffith and Opie to walk down the street here, but I, I haven't seen them yet. Uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, I want to tell everybody that uh, you know you're not only the communications director for horse tourneys, uh, but you're the longtime MC at the NTRA National Handicapping Championship in Vegas. For our listeners that didn't make it out there, just kind of paint paint the picture for us. How did it go this year? It was terrific. There were about 411 people uh, comprising 543 entries, which were both records. And uh, to fast forward to the end, the winner was Ray Arsenault uh, from Thornhill, Ontario, um, a well-known player on the tournament circuit, if you will, and also one of the most popular players, just, uh, just a friend to virtually everyone. And uh, second was Steve Wolfson, Jr., who would have become the first ever two-time winner of the NHC if not for the fact that Arsenault just killed it at the final table. We, we cut down uh, the first two days, everybody's in, and then we cut down to the final 66. And then halfway through that final day, we count down to a final table of 10. Uh, Wolfson was was on among that 10, as was Arsenault, who was the leader of the pack going into that 10. Wolfson was tremendous, and Arsenault, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, John, it was like 
uh, Ted Williams in 1941, um, he uh, Arsenault had a big enough lead, he could have played chalk the rest of the way and probably just nursed his lead as, as perhaps the Atlanta Falcons should have done uh, last Sunday. <laughs> in, instead, he was firing and hitting at, you know, eight to one, ten to one, twelve to one, and and if they didn't win, they ran second. He 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 came out aggressive and and uh, just extended his lead. In fact, he was about forty cents short of having it clinched going into the last race, which would have been a first. But it was a tremendous event. Ray wins uh, eight hundred thousand dollars, and an Eclipse Award is hand, handicapper of the year. That's that's fantastic, and I'm sure, as always, you did your your stellar job as the MC that event, and I'm I'm, I'm glad you're still up there. Well, you know, one door closes, another one opens. Okay, the NTRA Handicapping Championships over now in Vegas, but at horsetourneys.com, uh, you're already looking towards qualifiers, aren't you? We sure are. Um, we're going to run more NHC qualifiers this year than ever before, John, and. Uh, We've already had a big one, but our next one, big one is coming up this Sunday um, on horsetourneys.com. It's uh, 160 bucks to play, and, uh, and we'll be giving away between three and six seats depending on participation, but I'm guessing it's going to be uh, closer to six than to three because we've already had a very good uh, response. So if you're interested in being the next Ray Arsenault and and maybe uh, <laughs> getting one of those big checks on stage for 800000 uh, Your next best opportunity to do it is this Sunday at Horse Tourneys. Um, still plenty of time to get into that. There, there is a maximum of two entries per player, however. And we've also got, uh, uh, if, if you're interested in some of the other on-site brick-and-mortar big tournaments out there, also on Sunday we'll have qualifiers for the Kentucky Derby Betting Championship. Uh, the Del Mar Challenge, can't imagine a better venue to have a handicapping tournament than Del Mar. And also, um, probably the number one high expectation tournament of the year, the big one, which is held each September at Laurel. Um, that, that field is limited to 57 and carries with it a bunch of cash, 10 NHC spots, 5 BCBC spots. You can qualify for the big one on Sunday at Horse Tourneys, along with the aforementioned NHC Del Mar Challenge and, and Kentucky Derby Betting Championship. All right. Well, I hope our listeners were taking notes right there. Again, you can always check out at Horse Tourneys, that's T-O-R-N-E-Y-S dot com uh, to uh, check in on all those contests. Well, we've it's got... T-O-U-R-N-E-Y-S, John. Did I spell it wrong? I'm looking at it. T-O-U-R. Well, I don't know. I heard it. Maybe I heard it wrong. I, I apologize for correcting your spelling. No, that, you've had to correct me on more than one occasion. I'll never forget your uh, conference call with Jeff Greenhill. I had him graduating from the wrong college, and uh, I took that one on the chin, too. But I digress. Let's do some handicapping for our listeners here at Winning Ponies. We've got a couple races with uh, Oaks and Derby uh, implications uh, coming up. Oaklawn Park, one of my favorite tracks of all time. Uh, the Martha Washington, it's not graded, but it does have Oaks points. You know, so many good horses have, have come out of Oaklawn uh, in the last 10 years. you got to always give them a second look. There's always a lot of good horsemen there. Again, this is for three-year-old fillies. They'll be going a mile. Some of them being asked for the first time, some not. And the one that drew a little bit of my eye was... Uh, one trained by a friend of mine, uh, Kenneth McPeak, a perfect wife. She's uh, well-traveled, a broker maiden at Keeneland, 
then uh, ran a, a solid race at Churchill while finishing uh, fourth, and then came back uh, in its final race of the year at Remington Park to win $100,000 there in the trapeze stakes. Seems to be... Uh, have a lot of upside. Seems to be improving with his buyer figures every time. And uh, so Perfect Wife's already been proven at a mile. you got a couple horses that have come out of the Goldenrod that always produces nice fillies and gives them experience over the Churchill Down Strip. Uh, and then you've got this extremely well-bred horse coming in from Prairie Meadows, Tap of War, a war front out of a Tappet mare who's trained by uh, Kelly Von Hemmel. And the Von Hemmels always do very well at Oaklawn. D- did any those horses pique your interest? It, to some degree, John, they all did, because I, I think it's one of those races where um, not only is it sort of hard to figure out the most likely winner, it's sort of hard to figure out who will even be the betting favorite. Um, the, the, the nominal morning line favorite is a horse you didn't even mention, Torrent, uh, from the Ron Moquette stable, who, who you know just won an allowance at Oaklawn at the meet, but frankly, in fairly slow time. The horse you mentioned, Perfect Wife, has the high buyer with an 80, although Benner Island on the outside for the always dangerous Brad Cox comes in with a 79, and he's first-time LASIK, so he could move up. The horse I think might go off the betting favorite is in part due to the connections, is uh, ever so clever, trained by Steve Asmussen, who was uh, third in that goldenrod that you mentioned. The horse, and yes, Tap of War is one of those dilemma horses, John, beautiful breeding, won like a champ in his first race, you know, Warfront out of a Tappet mare, won by uh, four, and a, four and a half lengths, just uh, the comments as swept up turn. The other side of the coin is his buyer was a, her buyer rather was a 44. So what I do you do with that Prairie Meadows race there? But obviously uh, the pedigree is fashionable. I'm giving a, a long look to the horse on the rail, lovely Bernadette, who, was, uh, who won her first three races on the dirt, in, in nice fashion, and then in that goldenrod got marooned out in post 12 and then broke outward on, on top of having the outside post and predictably tired in the stretch. Now, Robbie Alvarado is out in Tampa riding a bunch of races, so I don't, uh, a bunch of stakes, so I don't, it's not bothering, bothersome to me that Alvarado's not there, but uh, Chris Landeros will ride, and I'm going to give her a pass for the goldenrod and think she can revert to that uh, prior form where she reeled off uh, three dirt wins from three starts. I like lovely Bernadette, though it's something of a tepid vote just due to the depth of the field. Well, yeah, I do want to take a flyer on this tap of war, even though it started with a 44 buyer. I'd like to know what its buyers are since it's been training at Oaklawn. You go back to January 14th, working five out of the gate, just about a minute flat. That's out of the gate, best of 43. And then in its work recently at Oaklawn, best of 79, a four furlong thing. So you, you just don't know. you got to scratch your head. You know, uh, this, is, this is a wide-open event, and obviously these are, these are horses. We'll see who can stretch out the best because it does have Oaks implications. And, and if nothing else, John, that, what the point you just made regarding the works – it would seem, I think one could say with a fair degree of certainty, just off those string of works, that this is not a 44 buyer horse. You know, this is, this is something, this is a horse of, of higher quality than that. So now it's a guess whether she's up to these, but we'll find out. And, um, you know, they are being fairly aggressive with her. The, 
Kelly Von Hamel is by entering her, going from a, a maiden special at Prairie, going five and a half, into a two-turn stake against, against foes she's giving a lot of seasoning away to. I know, but again, just for my, uh, my, my pleasure, I figure $2 bet will get me a, you know, a beer and a hot dog if she comes home, so I'm happy with that. Let's move on to a horse with the derby implications, the Sam F. Davis, grade three at Tampa Bay, a mile and a 16th, uh, kind of the buzz horse, has been McCracken, has some great connections uh, with Ian Wilkes and uh, a personal friend of mine, uh, Brian Hernandez. Uh, they've done nothing wrong so far, started at six and a half, went to a mile, stretched out to a mile and a 16th over the Churchill Downstrip in the grade two Kentucky Jockey Club, and uh has yet to lose a race. So I, I think this race goes through McCracken. I, I can't argue with that, John. Uh, and, and this horse is a deserving favorite, three for three, undefeated, hasn't done anything wrong. Um, frankly, some of the other ones in here, the other contenders to the throne, so to speak, don't, uh, don't do a lot for me. No dozing. Uh, on, on the outside post nine, I, I wasn't all that thrilled with with his Remsen, even though that's a gaudy looking, uh, you know, stake name to see in the PPs. Uh, Centeno didn't ride him that that uh, aggressively or or decisively that day, but I, I think no dozing is just sort of average. Um, it, the one horse I'm going to take a shot against McCracken with, and it's it's sort of. It's very basic handicapping, but I'm willing to do it in this race. Also, given the possibility that Wilkes, who's something of a conservative horseman, might not have McCracken 100% cranked for his seasonal debut. And that's the horse that ran just behind McCracken in the Kentucky Jockey Club back on November 26th, Wild Shot, number six, who's 5-1 to one on the morning line, like the third or fourth choice. This horse was caught and run down by McCracken in the Kentucky Jockey Club, lost by a length in the quarter, and is now getting a six-pound weight shift in his favor for this race. And, hey, look who shows up to ride for the first time, Robbie Alvarado, who I was talking about with respect to lovely Bernadette in, at Oaklawn. But it's uh, Rob, Robbie Alvarado for, uh, for George Arnold. Those two have, have teamed up on a lot of winners over the years. And I think, you know, Wild Shot's going to have the speed, whereas McCracken's going to be coming from way out of it. I'm, I'm going to hope that, that Wild Shot's a little sharper. He's been working three consecutive bullets at Payson Park. And um, I think the six-pound weight shift can turn the tables on McCracken at least this day in the Sam F. Davis. Well, uh, again, that's a, that's a look at the Sam M. Davis. Uh, we are talking with Eric Wing from Horse Tourneys, uh, com, and uh, get some a, a grade one race on Saturday. It's going to take place at Gulfstream Park, and uh, weather permitting, it'll go on the turf a mile and an eighth. Uh, who do you like in the Gulfstream Park turf handicap? It looks like kind of a mixed bag in here. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be on Divisadero, the two-to-one favorite who had a poor trip last time. I have trouble playing horses like this on the grass at, at Gulfstream, horses that are, aren't that much better than the competition and are going to come, be coming from way behind. Um, others will be on Beach Patrol, who's the five-to-two second choice, but Beach Patrol, this will be his first uh, race against Elders. He's been in against straight three-year-olds up to now. 
The two that interest me, the one that interests me most is number two, Almanar for Chad Brown. Um, really, really took a big step forward last time out in the Fort Lauderdale. I thought was left with too much to do by Joel Rosario and was beaten a neck by Flatline and finished just ahead of Divisadero. But I think Rosario will keep Almanar closer this time, and I think that'll suit this horse perfectly. And I'm I'm looking for Almanar to win this race. Um, I hope I get the 6-to-1 morning line. I know that's not always a given at Gulfstream. And then uh, the other horse I'll just point out is number three, Luke's Alley, who was, uh, you know, merely seventh in the Fort Lauderdale. But I will point out Luke's Alley did win this race last year, um, back on February 6th, going the same mile and an eighth distance. Uh, Luke's Alley had trouble in the stretch, multiple trouble um, incidents, and I think he's better than than that last race showed. So I'll go with Almanar with a little Luke's Alley underneath uh, to protect. Yeah, you can't argue with the thing you said. I just know I'm one of these guys. Sometimes I I bet with my heart. And uh, Divisadero, uh, trained by Buff Bradley, who's, uh, you know, I I just love when a blue-collar guy keeps coming up with these horses that are are not expected to be, uh, as you know, uh, you know, Groupie Doll and uh, uh, Brass Hat, uh, you know, modest homebreds that he ended up turning into, you know, champions. Uh, It's just great. And he is such a wonderful guy, Buff Bradley. So I'll be rooting for him. In addition to that, uh, Edgar Prado is one of my favorite jockeys. He's a class act. I don't know why sometimes he's forgotten, but uh, when, when when you look at his body of work, I'd have no problem giving him a leg up any time. But certainly... Uh, Almanar, the, the, the British bred who put in such a huge race uh, in the Fort Lauderdale, does look like uh, a nice pick at 6-1. to one. Well, it looks like I still got a couple of minutes left. So, you know, I, I, I think you, uh, you, you took a look at the Arcadia because I told you I was going to have Ron Paolucci on. Did you get a chance to eyeball that race, Eric Wang? I, I did. It didn't take too long, John. There are only five in the race, so so <laughs> Mr. Pellucci is uh, assured of a check. And I know uh, LeBron there, number five, Conquest Enforcer, is certainly, uh, in fact, uh, is the second choice in the morning line at 8 to 5, is going to face an early tussle, if, if you want to call it a tussle in a five-horse field, with what of you who just ran a couple of weeks ago in the Cal Cup Turf Classic. Those two are going to kind of mix it up early. We'll see if they can get into a rhythm, um, but whoever prevails that, from that pace duel, so to speak, will then have to take on Bolo and Ring Weekend. There's an outsider in number four, Ohio, who I think has no chance. No, uh, <clears throat> no offense to your home state there, John, or your current <laughs> state of residence, but Ohio, number four, has no chance. But it's sort of what a view and conquest enforcer on the front end and Bolo and Ring Weekend behind them. I'm going to go with Bolo, who kind of is the type of horse uh, who benefits from being running well fresh, and that's the case here. Bolo, uh, by the way, won this race last year for Flavian Pratt. Gets Mike Smith up this time, no problem there. Ring weekend concerns me, Only always gets away from the gate a little sluggishly. I'm not sure the race dynamics are going to set up for him, but I, I think either Bolo, Waterview, or Conquest Enforcer could win, but I'm going to go with Bolo. All right. Well, Eric, uh, my uh, uh, 
pr- producer Matt Widener is telling me I've got two minutes left. So while oh. I've got you on, it's been, it's been a, a constant, uh, a great topic of getting a read from professionals like you. Give me your read on the Pegasus Cup. The, the Pegasus World Cup, well, it, it, it's not a complicated read. I mean, Arrogate is just, you know, one of the best horses I've seen probably uh, one of the handful of best horses I've seen in the last 25 years, I'd have to say, just freakishly talented. And you know, if the Travers didn't convince you, then the Breeders' Cup Classic, which he got all the worst of it against California Chrome, yet still won, should have convinced you. And if not then, then you know the, the Pegasus World Cup was the coup de grace. It, it was unfortunate to me that California Chrome drew that poor post, um, just had to be used too hard, and, and yet was still three or four wide around that first turn. That's just not a track where you can get away with that. I don't care who you are. So it would have been it would have been more fun to see California Chrome fire something more approaching his best shot. But having said that, full marks to Arrogate and full marks to Gulfstream Park for for having the guts to pull off such a race. And I hope hope they do it again next year whether it's at Gulfstream or somewhere else but it was uh, i thought a, a great first uh, renewal of the event I have to agree. I was a doubter in the beginning, and they pulled it off. There's no doubt about it. Filled every every post position and uh, drew good numbers uh, from the media, so I was happy to see that. All right. We've been talking with Eric Wing. Eric, uh, I'm going to spell this again, so I'm sure. <laughs> capital H-O-R-S-E, capital T-O-U-R-N-E-Y-S dot com. Go there. Find out where the action is, and it's not just this weekend. It's all year long. Eric, Thanks so much for being on Winning Ponies with us. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Eric Wing. I want to thank Ron Paoluccio. I want to thank you for listening. I want you to tell your friends that uh, they they missed a a great broadcast and they need to pull down the podcast and they need to go over to winningponies.com and pull down their easy win forms. For Winning Ponies and producer Matt Widener, I'm John Engelhardt. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.